1 Corinthians chapter 15. Well, seven years ago, very close to the day, seven years ago, I had just signed the papers at the lawyer's office to purchase the house that we currently live in, our first home. Our lawyer was in Toronto, so Beth and I had gone up there to sign the papers, and since we were up there, we decided that we were just going to continue on, and uh, we would go into uh, Pickering, where my in-laws live, and spend some time with them overnight. And my initial plan was to go there, spend some time with them, eat dinner, obviously, because mother-in-laws are good cooks, and so eat dinner there, and then leave and come back uh, here myself, and my family would stay up there because my in-laws would be coming down to help us move. And so that was the initial pan, but it got late. We got talking and different things, and then um, I was pretty tired from the day. And so they, they talked me into staying overnight and just getting up early and going the next morning. And usually if I have a choice, I would prefer to go at night rather than get up early. I don't know why. It just seems to be uh, I like to sleep in my own bed, I guess. And uh, so anyway, so I decided that I would go the next morning. So I got up at 5 a.m., drove uh, through Toronto, got through the other side, and really pretty clear sailing. And uh, as I was uh, driving, typically what I do when I'm driving by myself in the early morning hours is I just started praying and talking to the Lord, just telling Him how, you know, uh, I guess stressed I was, how uh, d- different things would be coming in, new, f- new financial commitments and owning a new home and all of these different things. And I remember just saying, God, would you please provide for us the things that we need. And so I'm driving and uh, just kind of reminiscing and thinking through these things. And um, I'm doing 120 in the left-hand lane. Now, nobody crucify me for that. I know it's speeding. But nonetheless, I'm doing 120 in the left-hand lane. And I happen to look in the median next to the wall, and there's a $50 bill rolling down the highway. I thought, ah, I'm going too fast. No big deal. 50 bucks, right? Like, not going to ruin my life for that. So I continue on, and within a few seconds, another $50 bill hits my windshield. And I began to think, I should probably stop for this one. And if I don't, my wife's going to kill me, because I, if I tell her I found $100 on the side, or if there's $100 on the side of the road, and I didn't stop to pick it up, she's going to kill me. So I hit the next off-ramp, which was right by the uh, Toyota plant right there. And I spun around, and I came back. And my plan was, as soon as I see money, I'm going to stop. So sure enough, I see money, and so I stop, slam on the brakes, get over into the left hand. I'm in the median, up against the wall. And I pull over, and I stop, and I open the door. And as soon as I open the door, there's a $20 bill laying right right on the ground, right underneath the door. So I pick that up, and I start walking back up the highway. And as I'm going, I'm literally picking up $20 bills, $50 bills, $20 bills, $50 bills. I get back to the end, or to the, uh, there's actually a bag laying at the beginning of all of this. Clothes laid out everywhere. And I, I'm not a germaphobe, but for whatever reason, I'm like, I am not touching this bag, right? So I kind of kick it around a little bit to see if there's anything inside of it. There was nothing inside. And then, um, so I jumped the wall there in the median. And as soon as I jumped the wall, there's a $100 bill on the other side of the road. 
So I pick up that and I start walking back toward my car, all the way picking up $100 bills, $50 bills, $20 bills. Just incredible. And so I began uh, going back. Cars are whizzing by me, honking like, get out of the road, you idiot, and all these different things. So I jumped back in the car. My father-in-law had texted me and says, how is it going? I said, it's going pretty good. I, 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 found, I just found about 500 bucks on the side of the road. And so I jump back in the left lane, go to the next exit, get off, come back around. And when I get to about where I think it is again, I stop and use, go to the right-hand side of the road and walk that whole section. I think I found another $20 bill or something like that. So I figured I had found around 500 bucks, right? So I get in the car, start counting it all, $980. $980 I found on the side of the road. Now, I was baffled by that. And no, I'm an honest person, okay? So I know what you're thinking. You just kept that money, didn't you? Well, I actually did keep the money. But I called the police in that area, and I said, hey, I don't know if anybody's uh, ever reported something missing, uh, but I found $980, and I told them the exact location of where I was, and they said, if you don't hear from us in a couple days, just keep it. It's been seven years, and I've never heard from them. So it's an incredible, incredible story. So it's been seven years I've not heard from them. I found $980 on the side of the road. Guess what? I did not work for it at all. I didn't work for it. I did not deserve it. But there it was just sitting there to be picked up. Hundreds of cars passed before me. And while I was there, and not one of them stopped to get the money or to gain access to the money. They were all honking at me like, wow, what an idiot. Going to get himself killed. But you know what? Not one person stopped. Now I want you to think about this just for a second. Similarly, Paul the Apostle was on the road to Damascus. He was heading to persecute Christians. All of the sudden, a bright light shines and a voice from heaven speaks and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So what I want you to see is Saul had just found the greatest treasure on earth. He had just found Jesus Christ. He did not work for it. He definitely did not deserve it. But there was Jesus right in front of him, and now he has access to Jesus Christ, and he, we understand, takes it. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and look with me in verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9. Paul is talking about being, seeing Jesus he does on the road to Damascus. You see that in verse 8. But look at verse 9. He says this, For I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church. Look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. The grace of God which was with me. Paul very expressly points to the grace of God. I want you to understand that when I was on the highway that morning, that money was a treasure that I did not deserve. That money was a, a treasure that I did not work for. So I want to equate that to the grace of God. God's grace. Paul 
meets God. So tonight I want to spend some time talking about the grace of God. My goal tonight is to help you understand the deep significance of grace and its many implications, not only about salvation, but on many other doctrines that we believe here in our church. So Paul, you think about Paul, who was Paul? Paul was somebody who really persecuted Christians. I'm talking about he destroyed them. He took them out of their houses. He took them out of their churches. He threw them in jail and had the authority to do so. He was excited about doing it. The Bible calls him zealous for doing so. He, I mean, this was his job. He was excited about it. He was determined to do something great for his country, and that was to rid the Christians of this, the country of these Christians. But here's the thing. We are just like Paul. By the way, if you ever forget that, you've become proud. All of us are just like Paul. We don't deserve anything that God has given us. We are no good. No, we may not have persecuted Christians in our former life, but we are sinners just the same. We do not deserve Jesus Christ. We are nothing. We do not have, we did not, excuse me, have life in us. We were born this way. We were born with sin. We were born into sin. And sin is a part of our everyday life. Sin is what brings death. We talked about that this morning. But sin is what separates us from God. We no longer can have a relationship with God because of the sin that we have committed. If you will, we are no good, filthy, dead sinners. But we found the grace of God on the road of our lives. On the road of our lives, now, mine was not a very long road when I found Jesus Christ. But I found him, four years old, and I found Jesus Christ on my road, on my path, on my journey, if you will. You see, I deserve to die. I found, however, the unmerited favor of God. I did not deserve it. I, I, I did not work for it. He gave me something that I did not deserve. We, de we deserve to die in our sins. And the Bible says that we deserve to go to hell. And so we do not deserve to have life. And we do not deserve to have life more abundantly. And we do not deserve to have an eternal home in heaven. But yet we do. But the grace of God has allowed us to have this abundant life. This eternal life. So I want to, first of all, give you this evening that grace is given. You need to understand that it's very, very important. Grace is given. Look at verse 10 again. The Bible says, but by the grace I am what I am. And watch, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. So understand this evening that Paul received the grace of God. It was bestowed upon him. It was given to him. Paul received grace. Again, I've said this multiple times already tonight, but he did not deserve it. Again, he did not have to work for it. He simply found it. It was given to him. He was just wandering down the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, God gives him his grace. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, there's a man by the name of Noah. The Bible says this, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know what typically we, we do is we equate grace and mercy. They're similar, but they're not the same. Grace was found. Noah found grace. This was not something that was owed to him. He found it. Again, I found money on the side of the road. Was that owed to me? Absolutely not. It was simply found. He did not work for it. Noah, at this time, had done no works that we know of. He did not build the ark yet. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was given to him. Grace was given to Noah. By the way, I want you to understand what we're going to talk about is what I believe to be one of the greatest defenses against losing your salvation. So hear me out. Okay? What we're going to talk about tonight in grace is one of the greatest defenses about losing your salvation that I believe there is. So grace is only given. Grace is only given. It is only given. Hear me out. There are many people in this world that want to earn the grace of God. Let me say that again. There are many people that want to earn the grace of God. They want to work hard and they want to do things and they want to live moral and decent lives. And we talk about other religions like Catholicism that wants to work and do catechisms and do all kinds of different things and pay money to please and gain the favor of God. But the grace of God, listen, the grace of God cannot be earned. Listen, the grace of God cannot be earned. It can only be given. It can only be given. You cannot work for it. It is only given. Have I said that enough? It is only given. Grace is given. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, and go to Romans chapter 4. By the way, Romans chapter 4 is an awesome passage on grace. Awesome passage. It gives a lot of detail. We will not go through the whole thing. We'll touch on a few things through here. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 1 with me. Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says this. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works... He hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned, of grace, but of debt. Now I want you to focus on that fourth verse. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If I can kind of reword this for you. Grace is not given by works. Debt is works. Works provide debt. Works do not provide grace. Listen to me. That is extremely important. We're going to talk we're going to walk through this but pay attention. Abraham was not justified by his works. Verse 4 tells us that if you work for it, then it is not grace. Verse 4 again, read that verse 4 again. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So he is not 
he is not justified by works. If you are justified by works, guess what? It's a debt. It's a debt. So here is Abraham to wage, if you will. Grace being given to him as a gift. Grace is a gift. Work is a debt. Let me say that again. Grace is a gift. Work is a debt. So when we get saved, guess what? It has nothing to do with our works, does it? When we receive Jesus Christ, it has nothing to do with our works. What does it have to do with? It has to do with grace. It's a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, if I work for someone, guess what? They owe me a wage. They are now in debt to me. My uncle used to pay me weekly. Not very weekly, just weekly, okay? Um, Every week we got a paycheck. And so we would get a paycheck, but until the time that he gave me the money, he was in debt to me. So he was not being gracious by giving me money. He was just paying a debt. That's all it was. And so as you work, you are paid a wage. But listen, what is a gift? A gift is for nothing. A gift is for nothing. Let's go to Romans chapter 11 and verse 6. Follow me through on this, if you will. Romans chapter 11 and verse 6. Romans 11 and verse 6. This is, a, this is powerful. There's a whole lot of context around this. Far more than I can go through right now. But Romans chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible says, And if by grace, watch now, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be by works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now that might sound confusing, but can I, again, let me boil this down for you. Listen, grace is given, work is earned. Grace is given, work is a debt. These are all things that we must understand. Grace is given. This verse explicitly states that grace is not of works. And if it is, then it is no more grace. Grace, by definition, does not have works attached to it. So grace is not earned. Again, what is it? It's given. Grace is not earned. It is given. This has major implications for our salvation. It says major implications for our salvation and for the keeping of our salvation. You see, we do not have to work for our salvation, do we? We believe that. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9. And so, it is not by works. In fact, it is the gift of God. It is God's gift. So we don't have to work for it. John chapter 1 and verse 14 and verse 17 tells us that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the only way that you can get grace and truth is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. We also, however, do not have to work to keep our salvation. We do not have to work to keep our salvation. It is a gift given once for all. Once for all. We don't have to work to keep it. 
Listen, if you have to work to keep it, then it was never grace in the first place. Let me say that again. That, that has huge implications. If you have to work to keep it, then it was never grace in the first place. Now we're going to deal with some of these things. Well, what about working after and all these different things and I'm supposed to do good works? Listen, we're going to get there. Just hang on. Okay? Grace is given. By the way, grace is offered to everyone. Grace is offered to everyone. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Hath appeared to all men. So I want you to picture Again, my wonderful story. I love it, by the way. I love, love telling it. What a power. It's never happened to me again. But listen, there was a whole lot of people that I guarantee saw money. It was there, accessible to them. I'm sure that, that somebody saw it and thought, ah, you know what? I don't have time to stop. Ah, I'm too busy. Ah, oh, that's too dangerous. Ah, oh, that's not, uh, that's, that's really not money. It's probably just play money or something like that. Listen, listen, I want you to understand it was accessible to a lot of people. I want you to understand Jesus Christ is accessible to all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Listen, this has major, major implications. The grace has been given to all men. It has been offered. It has appeared. So listen, everybody has access to it. They can all see it, but many do not access it. They have the key, but they don't actually go through it. So again, number one, just simply grace is always given. So the question then is this. If it's always given, how is it then accessed? If every person has access to it, then how do we access it? Number two, grace is accessed by faith. Grace is accessed by faith. Again, the money on the road. I had to have faith that there was actually money there. Right? I was up early, granted, right? I don't think I was on any medication or any drugs or anything that I was hallucinating. And I saw the first one go by, and I thought, nah. Then the second one hit my windshield. I was like, okay, we got to stop. I had to actually believe. I could have never accessed $980 if I was in denial. There's no way. No way I could have accessed it. So let's do a little bit of a Bible study. Go to Romans chapter 5 with me. Romans chapter 5, grace is accessed by faith. Faith is the key. Romans chapter 5 in verse 1. Watch this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace. You see that? We have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Again, there's a lot more in this verse. We could spend a lot more time. But the reality is this. Grace is accessed by faith. Romans chapter 4. I talked about this before. Look at verse 16. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. 
faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed not to that only which is the law but to that also which is of the faith of abraham who is the father of us all again the first part therefore it is of faith so that it can be by grace let's go to another one ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 i want you to see this most of you will know this verse but let's see it ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Faith is the key, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I hope you understand this evening that grace is accessed through faith. So why don't people access grace? They don't have the faith. Why don't people access salvation? They don't have faith. They don't trust in the power of god okay so you're saying i've been presented with grace it's in front of me how do i have faith in it how do i put my faith and trust in this let's go to proverbs chapter 3. proverbs chapter 3. we're going to do a bunch of turning tonight so i hope your fingers are limber proverbs chapter 3. In verse 34. Watch this now. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. Surely he scorneth the scorners. Watch this. But he giveth grace unto who? Giveth grace unto the lowly. Okay, so scorners, I mean, those, uh, he scorneth the scorners. Okay? But God gives grace to the, the lowly. Okay? Doesn't stop there. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 6. James chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says this. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God, watch, resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the Humble. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so we've got lowly and we've got humble. First Peter chapter 5, just a few pages over, and verse 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. The Bible says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and what? Giveth grace unto the humble. Okay, this is very interesting. Again, here's, here's the key point. Grace is accessed by faith. How do you have faith in something? Here you go. God gives grace to the lowly or to the humble. The lowly or to the humble. So God gives grace to those people who know they cannot do it themselves. Let me say that again. Okay, I hope you're not overwhelmed yet. Okay, grace is given by God to the lowly and the humble. Very important. But God gives grace to those who know that they cannot do it themselves. Guess what? They need something greater than themselves. They need something far greater than themselves. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. If 
I'm going too fast for you, just raise your hand and say, can you slow down, please? Okay? If you need the verses, I can give those to you later as well. Mark chapter 10, look at verse 23. God gives grace to those who know they cannot do it themselves, and they need something greater than themselves. Look at Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again, answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Look at verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Do you know why? Because God gives grace to the humble and to the lowly. If you are trusting in riches, then you can do it yourself. You can just earn more money. Oh, man, I've got all these barns. And you remember the rich man and Lazarus, right? Man, I've got all these barns, and I'm going to knock these barns down, and I'm going to build bigger ones. And that day, he was held accountable. The Bible says that he went to hell. Not because he was rich, but because he trusted in his riches. He did not need anyone else. Listen, God gives grace to those who are humble and lowly, who realize they cannot do it themselves. Listen, we cannot get to heaven on our own. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Obviously, this has huge implications for salvation. If you can work for your entrance into, the, into heaven, then you are not humble. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You cannot do it yourself, obviously. And we all quote these verses, right? Grace is wonderful. Grace is powerful. It's by grace that I am saved. Listen, why? Because grace is only given to those who in childlike faith will humble themselves and say, I can't, but you can. Huge implications. Obviously, listen, this has huge implications for our life after salvation. Let me say that again. This has huge implications for our life after salvation. You say, why? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Watch the wording here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. The Bible says, unless I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Why? Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions. Why? Oh, excuse me, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Because unless you are weak, you cannot have continual access to the grace of God. You can't. We must continue to remember 
throughout our lives, okay? We, we trust in Jesus Christ. We cannot do it on our own for salvation. But what about every single day? What about every single day as a parent? What about every single day as a grandparent? What about every single day as a neighbor, as a coworker, as a friend, as a family member when we need to do something? Listen, we need the power of the grace of God in our lives. And if we are too proud to admit it, then we say, listen, I, I got this one, God. God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. So we know here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul was already saved. He had already placed his faith and his trust in God and his, God's grace was given to him for salvation. But Paul could not continue in this life without the grace of God. Paul knew he needed it. And so he continued to put his faith in God and he continued to trust him and he was humble and lowly because of the thorn in his flesh and God continued to give him grace and he continued to be humble and lowly and watch God work and God continued to compound grace upon him and, God, and he continued to work for God. You see, Paul, or excuse me, God's grace goes far beyond our salvation. God's grace goes far beyond our salvation. We need God's grace every single day of our lives. If we are to accomplish something great for God, we must remember how lowly we are and remember how powerful God is, how much we truly need the grace of God. Here's an important part. When we don't, when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, when we think that way, guess what happens? We fail of the grace of God. Let me say that again. We fail of the grace of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 the Bible says this, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, and it continues. I just, I just want to draw your attention to that key passage here, that key point, lest any man fail of the grace of God, and then it talks about bitterness. Let me ask you very simply, what is bitterness? Just in a five-letter word. It's pride. What happens, what does God do to the proud? He resisteth. Okay, when I, when I allow bitterness to well up inside of me, you know what I'm doing? I'm saying, oh, they shouldn't have done that to me. I'm going to get back at them. And all my focus is on me and what that person did to me and how I feel and how I want to get back at them in my, my feelings. It's bitterness dwelling up in me. That's pride. God resisted the proud. And so if we have any pride in us at all, God's grace will not be there for us. Can I stop there just for a second? And we sit and we wonder why we don't have the power of God on our lives. It's because we're being selfish, we're being proud. We're living our lives the way that we want to. Oh, it might only be a pocket. But listen, Paul knew every single day, whatever that thorn in his flesh was, he knew that he 
needed God. He was humble. He was lowly. Again, I want you to understand this failing from the grace of God does not mean that you can lose your salvation. There will be people that tell you that. That is false information. You cannot lose your salvation. If you can lose your salvation, it was never a grace or a gift in the first place. You already have salvation. But listen, it does mean that God will not continue to pour out his grace upon you. See, grace is given once for salvation, but it is continually given throughout your entire life. Constantly. If by faith you will access it, and if you are humble and you are lowly. So we must stay humble. We must realize that we cannot do it. Listen, it's Father's Day, and I hate to tell you this, but I can't be a good father. I can't. I want to be. And so I have to be a good father through Jesus Christ, the perfect father. I want to be a good husband, and my wife will tell you that I am not all the time. But listen, I want to be. So how am I going to be a good husband? By humbling myself and living and accepting and experiencing the grace of God in my life. I want want God's power. Power comes from grace. Now, number three, this is important. Number three, grace brings works. Grace brings works. Now, listen, you don't have to work to get grace, but grace will undoubtedly bring about works. Let's do a bit of a Bible study. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. The Bible says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Watch this now. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Right? He pushed. He worked so hard. And we think, wow, Paul, you're boasting, right? You, you say you labored more abundantly than they all. But watch this. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So grace given to him gave him the power to do the work, to labor. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, the Bible says this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, watch this, may abound to every good work. To every good work. And so, see, God wants to give you all kinds of grace and, and, and be your sufficiency. And our sufficiency is of God. Why? So that we can abound to every good work. Doesn't stop there. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We read verses 8 and 9. Let's read verse 10. Watch this. For we are his, it talks about grace, right? Verse 8, for by grace are you saved. And it continues, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before, before ordained that we should walk in them. So the grace of God 
has been given to us. We're, not, we're saved by grace. And then we are his workmanship created unto good works to do good works. We read Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Hebrews 12 and verse 28. The Bible says this, Wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So let us have grace, whereby we may serve, whereby we may serve God acceptably. Right? That's, that's a key word, acceptably. Right? We want to serve God in the way that he needs to be served. We don't want to be just running around like a chicken with our head cut off doing whatever we feel like doing. Listen, we receive the grace of God. We work how it's acceptable to him. By the way, that brings about a whole other passage, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 of 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Most of you will know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. What's the therefore? Because of Romans chapter 11, because of the grace of God given to the Gentiles, the salvation that has been given to, you, to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's a continual process. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, grace brings works. Because of the wonderful gift that we have been given out of thanks for him, guess what it brings? Works. It brings works. It always brings works. Think about Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What happened after that? He built an ark. Listen, we talk about Abraham and his faith. You know that Abraham was not justified by works. He was justified by his faith and trust in God. That's how he was imputed unto him for righteousness. He knew that God would someday make of him a great nation. And he believed that. And that's why it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And then we see Abraham continuing to work for God. This is so, so important if we realize the grace that has been given to us, the wonderful gift that has been given, we want to work for him. We want to give our lives back to him. And guess what happens? When we do that, when we work for him and we give our lives back to him, guess what happens? Because we're humble, he pours more grace on us. And guess what? Because we have more grace, guess what we want to do? We want to continue to work for him. We want to put more into that. And guess what he does? He puts more grace on us, and we want to work more for him. And he just continues to pour grace on us, and we want to work more for him. And grace and work and grace and work. Powerful. Powerful. Because grace is only accessed by faith. This is why the book of James is so important. Book of James talks about, hey, you show me your faith, and I'll show you my works by my faith. Listen, there's a huge tie here. Because faith is the key, and you have grace, you will want to work. No, no, you don't have to work for grace. You work after grace. 
No, you don't have to work to keep your salvation. You don't because grace is given once for all. But if you want to stay in that grace, if you want to stay in the grace of continual grace of God, if you want to have God's continual grace, blessings poured out upon you, then stay in it. Continue to be humble. Continue to be lowly. Let's take some time and apply all this information. Grace is a gift that is accessible to all mankind. It is only accessible through faith. And grace then causes us to work for God. So let me ask you this morning or this evening, what will you do with the grace of God? It's accessible. It's given to all. What will you do with the grace of God? If you've never accepted the free gift of salvation, will you accept it today? Look across this room. I'm not sure who's watching online. As I look across the room, I think most of you are saved. But if you've never accepted the free gift of salvation, the free gift of the grace of God, will you humble yourself? You humble yourself and trust in faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. If you have accepted God's grace and salvation, are you still living in it today? Are you still living in it today? The only way you can live in grace is to realize just how truly small we are. How small we are. Realize that we cannot do this life without Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And when we realize how big God is and that he can take care of everything, grace, grace, Psalm chapter 46 and verse 1, we talked about this Wednesday night. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. We cannot do it without him. He is everything to us. He is our strength. He is our refuge. So my challenge to you tonight is very, very simply this. A Bible verse, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter 3, 18, the Bible says this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every single day, just recognize your frailty before God and beg God for his grace for that day. And when he gives you grace for that day, don't squander it. Work for him. And tomorrow, there'll be grace. And the next day, there'll be grace. And the next problem, there'll be grace. And grace, and grace. Grace is only given, never worked for. Grace is only unlocked by faith. And when we have grace, works will come with it. I hope this has been a help to you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. So much for the opportunity to study your word again, Father. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this study. Father, there is hours upon hours more study that we could do tonight on grace because it's such a powerful, powerful thing. Father, thank you for just giving us this little sliver. Thank you for helping us with our salvation, providing grace, providing grace for our sustained salvation that we can never lose it. Father, thank you for providing grace every day, every moment so that we can live in it and work through it. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for all you do for us. Would you help us 
to love you more each and every day and grow in grace. Father, if there's one that's listening tonight that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that they would understand what it is, what you did for them, how you died for them, and that they cannot do that themselves. Help them to trust in you. Father, thank you so much for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.